agree in the name of Jesus that the word of God will go forth in power and will not return void, but will accomplish that which you please and the prosper in the thing whereto you have sent it. And so, Lord, it'll change our lives. We thank you for the anointing in this place. Just I bind every sickness, every disease, every hindrance, every pain that would hinder someone from hearing this word clearly. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. So we've been talking about knowing the mind and will of God. And so, because it's been a while, I'll do a quick summary, and then we're going to move on and finish this up tonight. And that's why, you know, I asked Brian, we're going to do a little bit shorter time of music uh, so we could just get into the Word of God. So, finding God's will for your life, that's a good thing, right? To want to know His mind and His will for general direction and specific direction. And John 3.3 is very clear when Nicodemus, who a guy who knew the Word of God but didn't understand the Word of God, comes to Jesus and said, there's something about you, Jesus. There's something about you. You couldn't do these miracles unless you had a communication with God. You know, what is it? What do, you, what do you have? That's essentially what he's saying. And Jesus says, unless a man be born again, he cannot understand the things of God. And so if a person surrenders his or her life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they can expect to hear what God has to say concerning their life. Let's make a good confession. I believe that God wants to talk to me. And I will be listening in Jesus' name. Now, in seeking the will of God for your life, it has to start with initial desire from you. The decision's yours. It's a cry within you that you have to fight off. Because it says that God gives us his spirit, Abba, Father. It's crying out, Daddy. And you have to fight that to not hear from God. All you have to say is, Lord, I'm available to hear your voice. Then God puts that drive within you to want to hear what, you, what God has to say. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God is working in you. He's steering you to do the things that pleases God. Listen to the Amplified Version. Not in your strength, for it is God who is all the while effectively at work in you. He's effectively at work in you right now energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. So the Holy Spirit that you have within you is striving. It's working with you to please God. All you have to say is, Holy Spirit, use me. I want to be used of you. So to find the will of God for your life, we have already taught, number one, you have to make a free will decision to repent of your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I believe that's most of you here tonight. And number two, to know the will of God for your life, you need to know the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. Specifically, you've got to build a foundation of the Word. And then when you build a foundation of the Word of God, you'll know the specific will of God for your life. How do I come to know the Word of God? One, you pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of God's Word to you. When you read your Bible, it's just not reading the Bible. It's just saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to read three verses. Please reveal to me what those verses mean, and I'll show it to you. Number two, you need to read it at a pace that's comfortable for you. Don't read the Bible. I read six chapters. What would you learn? Nothing. You have to read the Bible at a pace that's comfortable for you. If you read one verse and say, Holy Spirit, show me what you're saying to me, he'll do that for you. 
And I believe that you need to read it in more than one translation. And I don't mean read it in French or read it in German. I mean there's the King James Bible, and it was, it's a great Bible, but there's a lot of misunderstandings. They didn't know certain words, and so you, you, you can read a new King James Bible or the New Living Bible, the, the Living Translation, not just the Living Bible, the New Living Translation. The Living Bible is a paraphrase. The Message Bible is a paraphrase. They're good, but they're not exact translation. So get another translation. Amplified Bible is a good one, too. So get other translations so you can read it. So to know the will of God, you must submit also, we learn, to those that are at, as your spiritual leaders. I'm going to be teaching this on Sunday. I found some great scriptures that say, oh, I feel like going to church, I feel like going to church here. You don't understand. You're changing shepherds. It's not the building. You're changing shepherds. And the word of God says that God sends you shepherds that are pleasing to him. Not you, to him. Amen? It's hard to receive. And so you're praying, God, send me, and you go, and you sit under a shepherd. And then, then you decide, well, I'm going to be there. And you're not going to hear everything you like. It's a maturing process that takes place. We read last time in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your spiritual leaders, submit to them continually, recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and, get, and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to make an account of their trust. So I'm praying for you guys because I, I, I'm going to have to give an account. So sometimes when I'm praying, your face comes before me, and I pray. I may not even know your name, but I pray for you. It's the principle of submission to authority which produces authority in your life. You will never have a position of authority in your life till you learn to submit to authority. I had to sit under, I had to. I wanted to sit under a pastor almost probably close to 10 years. In fact, he'd still do at some point because I will never understand authority till I submit to authority. God will never use you in any authority till you learn to submit to authority. And you may not like that authority all the time. I'm sure some of you in here work for a boss, and you don't like him. You think he's tough. But I got news for you. You're not the boss. He is, or she is. Amen? Proverbs 18.6 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. To know the will of God, you learn to discover your giftings and you develop them and you allow them to open the door for God's will in your life. If you have a gift in you, God will open doors for you. Learn to develop the gift. And you can also know the will of God for your life by your own thoughts. Many of those thoughts are God's thoughts. Learn about thought discerning. That's in 1 Corinthians 10, 5. Right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A thought. Bringing into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what 1 Corinthians 10 talks about. If you know the will of God by reading your Bible, when those thoughts come to you, you will determine whether that thought is of God or not of God. I hate that person. I'm going to slash their tires because I know they're evil. Is that a thought from God? Why not? Because the Bible tells you you're to love your enemies. You're to bless them that curse you. You're to do good to them that hate you. You're to pray for those who despitefully use you. So when those, that's how the enemy starts. Everything you do begins with a thought. If you say, I did that before I thought about it. I didn't think of it. No, you, you just didn't 
process it, but that thought was there. And it's the thought that triggers you to do what you do. So your job is to bind that thought. I bind you in the name of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound. That's what Jesus said, not me. That's what the word of God. If you're Christians, you should believe what Jesus said. Bind it. Don't allow it to have power. And then you speak the word of God that's contrary to that. I hate that person. He said, oh, no, 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 no. The word of God says I'm a love. I'm a love. I'm supposed to love my enemies. Amen? You also find the word of God, come, the will of God for your life will come through open doors. Don't kick doors open. You'll regret it later. Don't pursue. God will pursue you. I, I, honestly, I'll be t- I never wanted to be a pastor, but God wanted me to be a pastor. I didn't go looking for it. All of a sudden, one day, the opportunity opened up, and I obeyed God, and that's what you have to do. The will of God can come through your life also. The will of God can come to your life, the mind of God, through a word of confirmation. Somebody can say something to you, and you, what you do with that, you put it on the shelf. You know, I believe God's telling me this about you. Thank you. I'll just stick that on the shelf. Because the peace of God is another means by which we can rightly discern the will of God for our lives. Well, I don't know whether God wants me to do this. What brings you peace? What's bringing you peace? Let me read to you Colossians 3.15. How many believe in the word of God? Colossians 3.15 says this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. What does that mean? That word rule means umpire. Do I pursue this or do I pursue that? Well, if the peace of God is the umpire, the peace of God is going to determine, do I have peace about this or do I have peace about this? And please don't confuse peace with being satisfied. Or what makes you feel happy? How many like cookies? How many like to eat a lot of cookies? Do you feel satisfied when you eat those? Apparently there was a movie out a while back about, maybe you'll remember it, I don't, about eating McDonald's food seven days a week. What was that called? Supersize me. Oh, man, it tasted good. It felt good. But they got really, really and that's what happens. If you pursue what feels, I don't like being, you can't be moved by emotions, folks. You've got to be moved by the word of God. If something feels good, that doesn't mean it's God. We can think about a lot of things that may feel good, huh? But after a while, it brings destruction in your life. You've got to go, not after, God, what brings me peace? What brings me peace when I think about that? Amen? The peace of God. It is the will of God for us to clearly hear and discern his voice. We talked about this, again, review in Job, of all places, Job 33. Can I hear the voice of God? Well, let's ask Job. Job 33. Verse 14. For God speaks once, even twice. And yet man doesn't perceive it. In a dream, in a vision, when deep sleep falls upon men, in slumber upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. God can instruct you by dreams, you know. 
if they're in line with his word. That he may withdraw men from his purpose and hide pride from man. God's going to go out of his way to send you people, give you dreams, speak to you, to stop you from doing something stupid. God's put authority in your life to help you, to, to not bring you harm, but to help you prevent, prevent you from making a stupid mistake. Just make sure who you're listening to. Seek wise counsel. He, he, that he may withdraw men from his purpose. In other words, he's trying to stop you from doing something stupid. And he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. God's trying to help you. And then you don't listen, you don't listen, you don't listen, and God's still talking to you. And then he says, he chastens also with pain upon his bed and a multitude of his bones. I don't believe God is the author of sickness and disease, but if you stop listening to God, you open a door for the enemy. Well, Pastor, I don't know why this is happening to me. Because we've been counseling you to do this and you keep doing this. I used the example of me hitting myself on the head saying, I don't see where my head's hurting. But when I did that as an example, I'd get a headache. So, you know, you keep hit yourself in the head. Why, am I, why do I have a pain in my head? Because you're hitting yourself in your head. And so you're doing things that's causing destruction in your life. And God said, fine, I'm withdrawing my, my presence from you. And the enemy moves in. And God doesn't like it. He chastens also with pain upon his bed the multitude of his bones with strong pain so that his life abhors bread and his soul dainty meat. In other words, you can't eat anymore. His flesh is consumed away that, he cannot, that, that it cannot be seen and his bones that were not seen stick out. Yet his soul draws near the grave and, and he's still disobeying God. What are you trying to show me? And you're not listening. And watch this. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand is shown to man his uprightness. Then he is gracious unto him. Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Aren't you glad when we don't hear God and we're doing stupid things that Jesus intervenes? It says in the word of God that he ever makes interest. He's praying for you even when you're doing stupid things. And God doesn't allow you to be absolutely destroyed because he sees his son standing next to him with scars on his hands and on his head and realize that Jesus Christ died for you and so he preserves you from destruction. And if you're listening, usually when you have to get down, to, I mean, you're about, about as down as you down can be. And then finally, you open up your eyes and thank God that God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, has preserved your life. Hallelujah. So God wants us to clearly hear and discern his voice. However, and here's where we start new, there are barriers from you hearing the voice of God. Number one, the biggest barrier, one of them, is a closed mind. We call you a hardhead. You have a closed mind. Remember I told you that one of the ways that God can speak to you is through his word. But listen to this scripture found in Mark chapter 4, Verse 14 through 15. I'm going to go over there and read it to you. This is about the sower of the word. You guys all know about the sower of the word? Sometimes I get up and preach, and I just wonder why people don't get it. And my friend, Pastor Danny Hates, says, Jim, one out of four. That's what he said. One out of five. Says, what are you talking about? One out of four get it. One out of four will get it. That's pretty bad odds. Right, darling? <laughs> pretty bad odds. We are just talking about this. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 14, 15. The sower sows the word. That's what I do. And there are they by the wayside where the word is sown, 
But when they have heard it, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And I used to say, God, that's unfair that I can speak the word of truth to somebody and Satan steals it from their understanding. Yeah, but when Jesus goes on to explain what he's talking about, he's talking about hard ground. You're hard-headed. You don't want to hear what God is saying. You, oh, I don't believe that. You're hard-headed. And so the enemy steals that word that could save your life from you. The barrier of a closed mind. Hard or unprepared ground represents the mind that has been hardened by lack of willingness to change. It's fixed in its opinion. I don't believe in that stuff. I used to be that way. It's a mind unprepared to receive anything other than what you want to hear. That mind is already made up like concrete, and God cannot be getting through. Another closed mind symptom is this. It's when we assume that God finds our lives unworthy or we're a nobody in God's eyes. And that's some people. Well, Pastor, you know what I've done. You know who I am. And you're so unworthy. Listen, God created you. There's nobody on this earth like you. Nobody. You have specific DNA. You have a specific fingerprint. You have a, a specific retina signature. Your voice is, has a special signature. You are, you're the only person that God's ever created like you. And he didn't create you to be a loser. He created everyone to be successful. But it takes some work to get away from the things we've learned, the things we've done. And you need to say, you know what? Today is a new day. Yeah, I've screwed up, but today's a new day. I don't care what anybody else says about me. God says, today is a new day. And that's what you got to say. And so if you get that mindset, open up your mind and say, okay, I've screwed up, but God forgives me. Lord, I'm willing to hear what you have to say to me. In the book of Judges, there's a story in chapter 6 about God approaches this man named Gideon. There was, uh, the Israelites would grow their grapes and grow their wheat, and then these enemy troops would come in called the Midianites, and they would just steal all the food <laughs> and just take off. Leave these people barely able to live. And so Gideon, brave Gideon, goes to a wine press. What do you do in a wine press? You press grapes for wine. He's threshing wheat. They won't find me here. There's no grapes, but I'm going to take my wheat there, and I'm going to thresh the wheat. So we may be able to call him a chicken. Watch this. God approaches him. He's hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, Thou mighty man of valor, aren't you glad that God does not see you the way you see you? You can look in the mirror and say, man, you're one ugly piece of work. But you have to say, but you were created by God, and you're beautiful in the eyes of God, and I don't care what I've done or anybody says about me, I'm a mighty man of God because God says so. Why? Because I was created in his image and his likeness. And the angel says, have I not sent thee? You don't know what God put you on this earth for. You and I can't judge ourselves. God may have something great for you next week. Not winning the lottery, but something great to do for him next week. To which Gideon replies, my family is poor, and I am the least in my father's house. You know what the difference was between Mary and Zacharias? Mary had Jesus. Zacharias had John the Baptist. John the Baptist preceded Jesus. He was going to be a prophet that was proclaiming the coming of the Christ. 
And the angel, a messenger of God. Guys, you don't mess with angels. They're big. They're tough. There's all kinds. There's warrior angels. You don't mess with them. There's messenger angels. And so the angel of God goes to Zacharias and says, you're going to have a son. The guy's 90 years old. His wife is old. And he laughs. And so you know what the angel has to do? Shuts his mouth. You shut up. Because your words can affect your life. So he shuts them up. Right? Mary, on the other hand, 16 years old, 15 years old, not unusual for older guys to, they're a betrothed, the young women, to have children. And the angel says to Mary, you're going to have a child. And she doesn't say, no way, Jose. She says, well, how can that happen? I, I've, I haven't had any relationship with a man. He said, Holy Ghost has come upon you. What does she say? Not what Zacharias said. She said, be it unto me as you will. And that's how we have to get up every day and say, Lord, your will be done in me. Despite what I think of me, what I've done, you do what you need to do through. I'm your servant. That's the attitude. Because when you have a hard head to think that God can't use you, you're mocking God and don't do that. Let us not allow doubt to deafen our ears to God's voice. No matter how small we may be in our own eyes, we can have faith that whatever we ask, whatever we seek, and whatever we knock for, God will answer. Why? Because Jesus said, knock, it shall be opened, right? He said, ask. Just spell the word ask. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Oh, I've asked. How many times? The tense for that word is ask and keep on asking. It may take 10 years. It may take all your life. But if you keep asking according to God's word, he will answer you. Amen? Hebrews 11.6 says, and I don't understand why people don't believe this, without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, I believe in Jesus. Now talk about that kind of faith. James says even devils believe that Jesus is Lord. What kind of faith is he talking about? That you believe what Bible, the Bible says. You believe what God says. The Bible is what God said. It was written by men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what God says, do you believe it or don't you believe it? So I'm not going to force you to believe what you don't want to believe. Do you believe it or don't you believe it? That's what God's asking you. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen to this. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Is what? Is he God? Do you believe God is God? Are you sure? Or is there something else that's more powerful than God? Is your doubt more powerful than God? Is your symptom more powerful? Is God God or isn't he? And what he says will be. That's the attitude you have to have. Another symptom of a closed mind is that we sometimes miss God's communication with us because it doesn't come the way we expect it to come. In 1 John chapter, I'm sorry, in John chapter 12, 27 through 28, Jesus speaks to his father. And his father responds with an audible voice. Have you ever read that or not? But you notice in verse 29 of John 12, it says that everybody else thought it was thunder. Why? Because their expectations about how God might speak did not include an audible voice from heaven. Don't tell God how he's going to talk to you. Maybe your dog will talk to you. I doubt it, but 
they perceive God's voice as thunder. On the other hand, we may expect the spectacular forms of responses from God that we miss his voice when he speaks subtly. Now, this is something, this is my opinion, this is what gets me. Oh, pastor, we had such a great service Sunday. Why? Oh, God really moved. Why? Because the music was great? I got news for you. Music and worship are two different things. I'm not going to get on. I'll get in this Sunday. Worship is your attitude. Brian gets up here, whether he's playing spoons or guitar, and he's trying to get your attitude right toward God, not toward them. I hear people, I go to this church because the music ministry is great. And what does that do for you? Does it change your life? Ooh, that was great music. So what? I get great music when I turn on the radio. Or does it bring you to a place of worship? As soon as you walk into this building, you are doing worship. Because worship means worth-ship. He was worth getting your little hiney out of your house, in your car, and getting here today because he was worth it. You put money in the bucket because he's worth it. That's worship. It's not just you singing a song. Brian and I can tell you, you're up there, and you know, you're trying to get people to worship, and they're out there like this. You're not worshiping. You think because you're listening to music, you're worshiping. You're not worshiping. You're listening to music. But we're hoping that we can get you to a place where you worship. You worship. Mm. In other words, we're always expecting the spectacular. Oh, God, oh, Pastor, I hope God moves. He moves every Sunday. Just because you don't feel it or see it, somebody out there got changed. Somebody got moved. Somebody's saying, I, 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 I'll never, that word changed me. And you may never know it. And don't get on your high horse and say, God didn't move because I didn't get goosebumps. Stop it. Come with an expectation. Don't expect the spectacular all the time because God is always moving. And then remember Elijah. He's all mad at God and he goes in a cave and, and, and God's, you'll notice that God says, I don't speak in the wind and I don't speak in the earthquake. And I don't speak in the fire. I speak with a whisper. I tell people, well, God told me to leave. Really? And then you ask, what's been going on? And you're, oh, I had this problem. This problem. You're in an earthquake, man. You're in the fire. God's not going to talk to you. You need to be at, peace, be at peace. You need to be at a place of rest and say, Lord, and he'll whisper. Run away. No. Stick it out. I'm here with you. Amen? Open minds, stay alert to both the ordinary and the surprising ways that God may choose to speak. I'm telling you, God's going to speak this year to this church, this starting Sunday. I mean, he's always been speaking. Another symptom of the closed mind is not understanding that God, God's answer or direction may come in a form that's too weird for you. Banger, Pennsylvania? God, you're sending me to Banger, Pennsylvania? God. How about Boston or Philadelphia? Where the heck is Bangor? People say, you're going to Maine? I said, no. But you obey God. It may seem simple. Hmm. We need confirmation to any word from the Lord that we cannot discount. And we say, yes, we need confirmation to any word from the Lord 
But we cannot discount the many and varied forms to which God can speak. And if I allow my fear of weirdness to keep me from responding to that voice, I may miss God. God can possibly speak to me through an unbeliever. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. So a closed mind is one of the hindrances. Number two, the next barrier to hearing God's voice is the barrier of a closed heart. What are the symptoms of a heart attitude that might be hindering us from hearing God? There's a great story. I don't want to read it for lack of time, but in Exodus chapter, well, let me read it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Man, my Bible's getting so old, it's falling apart here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Now, God called the, the children of Israel. Remember, they got delivered from Egypt. He's been providing for them in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 20. And God commands them to all gather at Mount Sinai. God's going to speak to his people. Verse 18, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar. They took off. They were afraid for, of God. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. Now, you know what happened because of that? I don't know if you know the outcome of that. We can serve, we don't want to talk to God, we'll listen to you. We can do anything that, you, that God tells us to do, we just don't want to hear his voice. And God said, okay, really? So he gave them commandments that he knew they couldn't keep, and we still can't keep. Think you can do it on your own? Okay, here's the rules. And nobody, it says, none can keep them. There are none righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. That's why we needed Jesus. They were so afraid of God. The Israelites were instructed to go to the foot of the Mount Sinai because God wanted to speak to them. They trembled with fear. And they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen. But don't let God speak to us. Why? Because they were so stinking afraid of God. Sometimes we too shut out the voice of God because we're afraid what he might tell us to do. I think one of the toughest things is when there's a call of God on your life or God's telling you to do something, and then you go through hell in the process of it. And you're just waiting for God, get me out of here, Lord. Get me out of here. It's a test. Paul was hated by Christians. He was hated by the Jews. And he's trying to do God's work. Nobody received, I mean, they were hearing, but nobody liked him. I mean, some people did eventually. But they were afraid of him. He killed relatives when he was persecuting Christians. And so, he, and you know what? People were talking about him. People were picking on him. And he said, Lord. And he tells us, I had a thorn in my flesh. And people say, oh, was it was a physical affliction. Those things are easy. You had a pain. But you ever been in a place where nobody likes you? And everybody talks about you? And they tell lies about you. And if you've done anything wrong, they make sure they keep reminding everybody that you did something wrong. That's a thorn in the flesh. They hurt. And God said, take it away. 
I mean, he said, Paul said, take it away. And the Lord said, no, no, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, remember, I forgive you. Remember, I see you differently than I'm putting in my words. They see you differently than I see you. You don't worry about them. You just be concerned about what I think about you. Amen. Sometimes we tremble at the possibility that God will make uncomfortable demands. I love what your pastor said one time. I can't remember all three, but he said, when, you talk, when he talks about the Christian, the New Testament God, through the people write the book, you're a warrior, you're a servant, and you're running a race. What's a warrior do? I don't mean a warrior, a warrior. You have to fight. You fight, you fight, you fight. It's constant. Lord, when is this ever going to stop? It don't. Because the enemy doesn't stop. God, take this. What's the matter with you, God? Why are you putting me through this? Because he's strengthening you. You're learning to walk the walk of faith. You're learning to trust in him. What if he tells you to change? Whoa. And we should not fear the voice if we bear in mind that the rewards of listening to that voice are priceless and eternal. God, guys, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but it's not about this. It, you're all going to die. Don't fear death if you're a Christian. It's just you passing out of this shell. But you will all stand before God. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, you will. <laughs> oh, my God, you're real. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes we have trouble hearing God's voice because of our pride. Ooh, this is a big one. We have it all figured out, including how we think God will do it. In many places of the Old Testament, Israel refused to do what God said because they relied on their own sufficiency and not God. Pride can also lead to presumptions about the kind of messenger God should use. We can close our hearts and ears to hear God's voice if we consider his courier unfit for the job. Who the heck does he think he is? That's what a lot of people think about pastors. Who the heck does he think he is? I'm nothing but a messenger. You don't have to receive the message. One out of four, that's right. Ever have an unbeliever say something to you that was an answer to God's request? I remember way back when I was going through stuff and I was going for secular counseling because I was asked to, told to. And this guy said something so profound. He said, Christian, huh? You guys eat your own. You kill your wounded. You're like sharks. What was I going to say? It's not true. And I mean eating alive. <laughs> You're right. God forgive us. That's why we need Jesus. Sometimes we miss God because our hearts are rebellious. We, like children, turn our backs on God, preferring to do it our way, and our ears grow deaf to his voice. You know, I always remember the parable of the prodigal son. This guy was a son, a son. I like to liken him unto somebody who's saved. And then he just spits in his father's face because when you ask for your inheritance, you're saying, you're dead, give me my money. And he went off. I mean, that's about as worse as you can do. Imagine that, doing that to God, and that's what he's saying. This is what you do to me sometimes. And yet you come to yourself and you start going back to God 
and God's not like us. Thank God. <laughs> Crawling back, huh? <laughs> Go back and eat with the pigs, buddy. You left me. You just live that way. That's not the way God is. He's waiting. He Actually, he met the son halfway. And he received him. Put him right back in the family again. Sometimes we miss God's voice because of our lifestyle. Third barrier to hearing God's voice is our lifestyle. Sometimes we allow ourselves to just be too busy. Wow, is that the thing today or what? I'm going to read Matthew 22, 1 through 5. So you'd see I'm not making this stuff up. This is Jesus speaking too. How many believe what Jesus said? If you're Christians, you should. Matthew 22, verses 1 through 5. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parable. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my ox and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, and one to his farm, one to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants, entreated them spitefully, and slew, slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. We are called every single day to serve God. And because I didn't go to church, I can honestly say that church, going to church, is one of the things that God asks us to do. But we're just too stinking busy. It's what's, so bu- what's so important about going to church? You know what's so important? God asked you to do it. That's why it's important. He asked you, told you to do it. For snake, for, for snake, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Together. I would say together. He calls his people together from all the crud we face in life. So we come together. We share our hurts. We share our victories. We share our finances. We share our things. That's what that needs and seeds board is out there. If you have two of something, put it up there. Because somebody may have not had that thing. And they may need it. We share. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Don't be too busy. Because sometimes we can't hear God's voice because we don't give him time to talk. We don't give him time. We don't sit down and listen. We turn the cell phone on. We turn the computer on. We turn the TV on. We turn the music on. And we don't listen. Sometimes I have to sit down and picture myself sitting in front of a whiteboard. So God can write on that what he's saying to me. We have to just say, Lord, I'm here, Lord. Five minutes, two minutes. It's like my computer. It's just waiting for an opening to do a backup. Don't you hate that? Happens at Judy's computer a lot. You, you, just, you just pause for one second, boom. And that's what God's waiting for. He's just waiting for the open door, and boom. He could download a bunch of stuff that you need to hear. It'll set your life right. But can you sit and be quiet? Can you sit and be quiet? Throughout the Bible, great people of God withdrew from their routines, pressing matters of the day, including Jesus. It says it went in, in Luke 6, 12, and Jesus went up to the mountainside to spend a night in prayer. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never spent a night in prayer. And a lot of great men of God that I've read about, they, they didn't pray long, but they prayed often. Five minutes. They just always recognize, God, I'm here. I'm listening. That's what Selah means. Pause. Just pause. 
We live in a very, very noisy society. You are never designed to worry about every single person on your Facebook's problems. Do you know that? The enemy has made it very clear. You have 500 friends that have 500 problems that you need to, oh, what about them? I know I told you the story about my friend Charles Neiman. He has a church of 30,000 on Sunday. I told the story many times. I'll tell it again. This woman would always come up and ask for prayer for these certain people. And finally, over and over again, and finally Charles Neiman said to some, man, these people are really bad shape. And the person said, Pastor, they're soap opera characters. This woman was so engrossed in her soap operas, asking for prayer for make-believe things. Certain spiritual disciplines that can turn our ears to God's direction, we need to develop that. Those who regularly make time for prayer, fasting, worship. Worship is not coming here listening to music. Worship is your attitude toward God. One second, Lord, I love you. That's worship. Opening your Bible to read what God has to say to you, that's worship. He's worth my time. Now, even if I take the time to get away in here, we need to learn the act of silence. Another very rare thing in this world, as opposed to filling the air with chatter. There's a story in Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 6, where Jesus takes his closest disciples, and they go up this mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And up there, Jesus starts to glow. And all of a sudden, Moses, and I think it's Elijah or something, appear, and they're talking together. And Peter, who can't shut up, starts, blah, 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 let's, let's build a tent. Let's. And God says, I'm going to put it in my interpretation. Shut up. Just be quiet and listen. So if we take the time hear his voice he'll speak to us we don't need to spend our time with God just talking can you imagine getting on a telephone call with somebody you think a person's going to stand with you oh my word shut up I can't even get one word in and that's what God probably says to us be quiet you know you don't get a reward in heaven because you've heard 10,000 words in your prayer you listen to what God said Amen? I always tell people, when you go to heaven, you're not going to get a Bible test. It's going to be what you lived from what you learned in the Bible. Amen? So we need to spend time with God. So let me just wrap this up. The barriers of a closed mind, the barrier of a closed heart, and the barrier of a closed lifestyle. We can remove them. And we know that God is so willing and pleased to reveal himself to us so we can come into a habitual, eternal conversation. I love to pray this prayer. I believe it's out of Isaiah. Lord, I hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the left or you turn to the right. To the right. When I'm about to make a mistake, I want to hear God's voice. Don't do that. Don't go there. Prevent that. Another prayer David prayed, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths and lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. Here's the key. And upon thee do I wait all the day. That doesn't mean you're, you know, you're in prayer all the time at your desk or your teacher, whatever. It means you're listening. Lord, thank you. And he could say anything to anybody, any situation. If you say, Lord, I want to hear your voice.
told this story many times too, walking with my pastor one day, and he says to me, Jim, what do you want for your life? I said, I just want to be in the will of God. He said, then you are. And I didn't get it for a while. I just want to be in the will of God. And he said, then you are. You know why? Because I asked to be in the will of God, and I will be in the will of God. That's all you have to do. Father, today, let me be in your will. Lord, please keep me in your will. Now, he may have to steer you and direct you a little bit because you're a little stubborn, but you'll get there. We need to believe that beyond the shadow of any doubt that it is the will of God for us to know his mind and his will. It's just going to have to take me to make a decision along with dedication and commitment and consistency and discipline to be able to recognize and obey his voice. Learn his word. Listen to what God's saying to you. It'll always be in a conjunction with the word. And I guarantee you, God will direct your steps. And if you think it's always going to be perfect in life, it ain't. Remember the story of three Hebrew children? Oh, God, if we, they, weren't, they didn't want to go in the fiery furnace, but they went in, didn't they? But the fire didn't burn them. Right? David said, though I walk through the valley in shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. It looked like death. But he called it a shadow of death. I will fear it. Why? Because thou art with me. No matter what you're going through today, God can speak to you even in that situation. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your word, Lord God. And if I pray, if there's anybody here that does not know you, if there's anyone here that has never confessed that they're a sinner, that they've never asked Jesus to forgive them, I pray they do that tonight right now. Lord, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Someone may be praying it for the first time. And if you mean it, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that word salvation does not mean when you die. It means right now you can walk a different walk and you can hear the voice of God. You can be his, his protection, his provision, and he puts you in a position of sonship if we believe what we pray. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's say it. Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I'm saved because what he's done. It is written, for by grace I am saved through faith. And that's not of myself, that grace. It's a gift of God. And not of works, lest I should boast. Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Today I declare you my Lord and my Savior. Amen.